Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, so um, just jumping right into it today, just continuing our series here on um, whether or not Christians should be involved in the political sphere. Uh, there's been... Uh, some notable theologians, including Jonathan Edwards, my favorite, as well as uh, several of our founding fathers who have believed that that nations are essentially in a covenant relationship with God. Now, of course, this covenant can be entered into formally, uh, like John Wyth- Winthrop and the P- early Puritans in America, where they actually created a document and said, "God, these are these are our, this is our end, and and we believe what your word says about your end." And they entered into it formally and and solemnly. But I would argue that uh, informally, uh, nations are in a um, covenant relationship with God just by the fact that that all nations are accountable to God's law. Um, but before we get to that. Let's just talk about the idea of covenant in general. Covenant in general, separated from, from nations. What is a covenant, biblically speaking? I think we can just simply say a covenant is a solemn agreement between uh, two individuals, uh, two persons. For example, a marriage can be described as a, a covenant relationship, uh, according to Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. And you know, we recognize that God has entered into a covenant with with men, he entered into the covenant in the in the garden. He also is in a covenant of grace with us right now. That in his covenant really uh, is defined as, "I will be your God, and you will be my people." And he's affirmed that um, in many ways, uh, ultimately by sending his son to be our savior. When we talk about covenants, it's, it's sometimes difficult because you're talking about. Um when you're talking about a covenant that God makes with us as people, um, it is different than the covenants that we enter into in, in some degrees. And, and that is when God enters the covenant with us, he's doing so as, as one that is sovereign over all things. And so in some ways it's not a covenant in the fact that it's a covenant of equals, which we would have in, in any other covenantal relationship on a human level. And so, um, Sometimes they talk about God's covenant as one that is sovereignly administered, mm-hmm. um, that it's a unilateral cover- covenant, that it's mm-hmm. God that, that sets the terms and, and, and actually is also the one that upholds the obligations. So in a covenant, both sides have obligations, and the reality is in our covenant with God, um, we cannot keep those. And so that is why Jesus Christ took on um, – human form and came and fulfilled the covenant on our behalf. Um, and so in that way, um, th- though biblical covenants are slightly different when we're talking about God as, as, a, as, a, as a party. However, there are biblical covenants that are human person to person. Um, Jonathan mentioned marriage is a good example. Um, it's a covenant of equals. 
um, a man and a wife coming in with mutual expectations, obligations um, that both are to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can break those covenants by not fulfilling the role or responsibilities that is yours in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is that throughout history, people entered into sometimes formal covenants. Um, and when the United States was was being populated with Europeans coming and the, and the Puritans being part of that group, they were a group that maintained that tradition that basically came out of um, out of Scotland. Um, and you actually had people that were called covenanters um, that had entered into a covenant in this in this particular case they had entered into a covenant with um, parliamentarians in um, in the English Civil War and and they had made what became known as the Solemn League and, and Covenant. This was actually around the time of the Westminster, 1643. So yeah, it would be roughly that same era. And um, these Puritans come from largely from Scotland and, and mm-hmm. England, and, and they are used to this idea that they are an extension, that their religious life extends into the political realm. And so this idea of separation of church and state it would have been a, an incredibly foreign concept to them. They, they would have not known what that meant um, because there was no blurring of those. I mean, those lines were completely blurred. Well, what they were doing, they were, you know, they were opposing the divine right of kings, you know, who, um, and so they were recognizing that ordinary people um, had a God-given conscience in matters of faith and life, too. So that, that was part of that uh, covenant or uh, stuff that was going on in Scotland, mm-hmm. um, but we enter into covenants. Uh, you know, the Bible refers to a number of covenants that we mm-hmm. that people have entered into. You know, Joshua before his death reminds the people of Israel before they're going into the land mm-hmm. of the uh, that God is in covenant with them, yeah. and that they are in, and they have responsibilities before Him. And that was a national covenant. It was a national covenant. Right. He's, he, you know, Joshua says. He's about to go the way of all flesh. That means he's going to die, and and he he's reminds them uh, that not one word has failed of all the good things the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come pa- to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord has promised concerning you have been fulfilled, so the Lord will bring upon you the evil things um, until He has destroyed you off the face of this good land that the Lord your God is giving you, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you that you not serve other gods and bow down to them, because then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish off the earth. So that was God's covenant with Israel, and they were in covenant with him. They said, all that you say we will do. Yeah. That was their that was their response to the requirement that God had for them. Yeah, and, and you know the whole Ten Commandments is is you know we, we've argued here are covenantally structured. Yeah, uh, this is yeah this was simply a, a covenant renewal right. um, that had took place at Mount Sinai <laughs> yeah. with before when Moses came down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Yep. So. Um, you use the word unilaterally, Russ, um, where God will unilaterally make a covenant. And, and I think this has been one of the difficulties with people who press back against covenant theology because they say, well, you know, you guys, you covenant theologians talk about a covenant of works. And when I look at Genesis 2, I don't see Adam agreeing 
to this uh, covenant, the, these stipulations and these promises. Um, but of course, God doesn't need our agreement. Yeah, uh, He's he said it as his, as, he, as the Creator. Right, He's God. So I would just argue. So I have this great little book. What happens when we worship? It's kind of a little bit off topic of what we're saying this morning, but he talks about um, covenant. And he wait this this would actually be a rare moment where I'm off topic. That we're off topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, he this is the definition he gives of covenant. A covenant is a relationship based on binding promises between at least two parties very short but we see that in the covenant of works that every human being just is in a binding covenant relationship with god that means they're bound under the law to obey him perfectly well, and the well, promise covenant of works was life yes yeah that was the that was the blessing here's the promise if That's you obey promise. life if you disobey curse and we of course we use that language when we're presenting the gospel to people now um and very quickly i think we should just note i mean and i think this is where a lot of people get confused they think that the covenant of works is is now done away with right but god once he establishes something cannot do it away with right. it so the covenant of works is still binding yes. on every human being perfect yeah. obedience perfect. is still yes. binding yeah and the only and the and he's fulfilled that in Christ as our substitute. But other than that, that that uh, perfect obedience still binds us, and that's what people will be judged for apart from Christ. That's right. And I I just think that that's helpful because a lot of people think, oh, that was a Genesis two moment. Yeah. And as soon as the fall happened, all well, that got done away with. Now we're done with the covenant of works, and we only have the covenant of grace. And what I would say is, no, God graciously added the covenant of grace, if you will, in our temporal minds. I mean, in yep. the mind of God, yep. it was from eternity. Right. But in time and space for us, once we demonstrated in our covenant head, federal head Adam, that we're not going to be able to do it, yeah. God in essence says, well, we would we would also say that you know that Jesus has fulfilled that covenant yes, of works. We, yes, you know he didn't just come and die; he lived yeah. for thirty years as the perfect human yeah. uh, without sin. Yeah. Uh, so we are saved as much by his life as we are saved by his death. That mm-hmm. was applied to us too. That's he fulfilled the covenant of works that we couldn't fulfill. Yep. And to see that it's ongoing, uh, Matthew five, uh, Jesus himself. Uh, gives the famous Sermon on the Mount, which is an exposition of the Ten Commandments. And then um, shortly thereafter says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. And so that's the context in, in, uh, of, of that admonition is his exposition of the Ten Commandments. It's mm-hmm. very much binding yeah. on all people for all times. Yeah. When you see Jesus... Uh, when the rich young ruler comes to him and what good work must I do to, you know, inherit the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is going along with this man's presupposition. And he basically says, well, here's the good work, obey the law and then sell everything you have. And, and, and people are confused by that, but the, the man's presupposition was I could earn it. Jesus, okay, if that's your presupposition, then you must be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is what the requirement is today. So let's maybe, okay. So we've talked a little bit about what a covenant is. Um, let's con- contrast for, for our listeners sake, like the covenant of grace and the, na- and the national covenant. So, and I'll, I'll just quickly give you guys some talking points and we can, we can go from there. So one of the differences between the, the covenant of grace and the national covenant is that the covenant of grace deals with individuals, the elect, 
And the national covenant deals with people groups. Um, the covenant of grace is unconditional because Jesus met those conditions for us. And the national covenant um, is conditional. You know, righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. Um, the the, na- the covenant of grace deals with promises that deal with our eternal um, state, uh, whereas national covenants deal with, you know, temporal and material blessings. The covenant of grace deals with um, um, eternal life, whereas the national covenant deals with threatenings that, that affect uh, um, time and space right now. Um, do, do we see that in scripture or am i just pulling this out of thin air i mean do we see you know um maybe i'll answer my own question so um well i I don't (laughs) want to i don't want to ask a question and then like you know i'm I'm not trying to lead you down a path but like so for instance when when israel as a nation under national covenant got brought in when they were cursed when they were brought into babylonian captivity you see people that belong to the covenant of grace people like jeremiah and daniel and you know many of the remnant that still belong to the covenant of grace that were swept away in judgment so a, a nation can be swept away in judgment and you can still have people who belong to the covenant of grace who aren't you know who God is still preserving through it. In a sense, you, you have covenant people who are in the covenant. Uh, God is not, you might, God is not essentially with them in their activity. He's, he's, he, they, but they are still in, in covenant with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can come back and say, I know the plans I have for you. Right. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans yeah. to give you a future and a hope. Because I'm in covenant with you. Yep. You, have, you have broken covenant with me, yeah. but I'm still in covenant with you. Yeah, he's simultaneously uh, able to preserve his elect and, um, pu- pu- I mean, he gives that picture of the, the two baskets of figs in the book of Jeremiah, those who are outside of his covenant who he's punishing and those who belong to him in the covenant of grace who he's preserving. Well, we ran out of time, unfortunately, but we'll, we'll continue this discussion tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Gospel for Life.